Thank you for listening to Overcomers Church International Weekly Message. We pray that you are encouraged and strengthened as you hear the Word of God. Turn with me to Hebrews chapter 11, which is the greatest place to start if you're going to talk about faith. It's known as the faith chapter, and for good reason. The Lord gave me a word a couple of months ago, and I was listening to a particular minister, and he said this, and it it just shot through me. And he said that we need to create, and, and it just spoke to me as a pastor. It says, it, it's, it said that, or he said that you need to create an atmosphere where people can believe that anything can happen. And when I heard that, I, I pulled out my phone and started taking notes in my phone. And I thought, God, I began to pray. And I said, God, that's what I want for our church. That's what I want for my home. That's what I want for my life. That we create an atmosphere to where we believe that anything is possible, that anything can happen. You know, that's part of what Jesus did. That's part of who Jesus was. Talking about the, the wherever Sarah went, the, the nature. Wasn't that good? Praise God. Our very nature is like God's, and so we're, our nature is to give. But, you know, I was thinking about also that our nature is supposed to be one of faith. We should walk around, and we should create an expectancy in other people when they're around us that anything is possible, that anything can happen. Praise God. Are you all with me? I'm going to get you fired up because I'm going to preach myself happy and then you're going to get happy with me. So you might as well just start off that way and we'll get there quicker. Hallelujah. So let's look here in Hebrews chapter 11, <clears throat> verse 1. And, and, and before I get into this, I want, to, I want to say this. So I've talked recently a lot about the, the prophetic and, you know, we talked about the love of God a lot before that. And so I'm going to move, move into talking about faith. I don't know how long I'm going to be on it. But these are different keys and Jesus said, I will give you the, the keys of the kingdom. And so there are different keys that unlock different doors, that loose different things in our life. And I, I think we all understand that. You need to understand something, that faith is a key. And what I've, I've noticed and I've watched in the body of Christ over the years is that when a, a new key is revealed, a new understanding, a new revelation, people tend to take what the Lord was doing before and throw it out almost as if it's not important. Listen, every wave comes from the same ocean. So it's like people say, you know, right now we're in a, a wave of an understanding of the love of God, the grace of God. And that's true. But you understand that that same ocean that sent that wave also sent the one on faith, also sent the one on healing during the great healing revivals and things about prosperity and music and all different kinds of things that the Holy Ghost has brought in. They're all from the same place. And we're not supposed to take one and then throw out everything else that God, that God did. Revelation from the word of God in the church, it's supposed to be a building thing. And we're supposed to add to not just camp on one particular thing. That's very important, and the reason why I say that is because there was a period of time when Brother Hagin, whether you like him or not, is not the issue. God used that man to teach the body of Christ about faith, and I, we owe a great, uh, well, actually, everything goes to Jesus, but if there was a man besides Jesus that we would owe some great things to, it would be Brother Hagin, Kenneth Hagin. He taught the body of Christ. And you'll even hear people now that don't even believe in the message of faith say things that he said just because they've heard it for years. 
But by and large, what's happened is the body of Christ has grabbed a hold and they, they gravitate towards one thing and then they throw other things out. Guess what? You need the key of faith. One of the things that the Lord showed me at the beginning of this year was that we need to create an atmosphere, uh, cultivate an atmosphere for the supernatural, and we have done that, and we're continuing to do that. And one of the keys for cultivating and keeping an atmosphere for the supernatural is that faith has to be present. And, and I'm going to make a statement here and then might get myself in trouble, which I, I do a lot, and then I'm going to move on. But I'm just going to say this, that I believe that I'll go low. <clears throat> 80% of the body of Christ, and, and actually not just the body of Christ, but of spirit-filled word people, I believe personally that 80% of them have never operated in true Bible faith. And the reason I say that is because I just look at the fruits. I look at what the Bible says concerning faith and the promises that we have in him. And if we operate in faith, what can come from it? And I don't see that happening on, on the level that it needs to. So I think that we have a, a responsibility to talk about things that God has delivered to us. You know, I've been through times in my life before, and I've shared this with you all, but specifically concerning the prophetic ministry where the Lord was unlocking and showing me some keys, but I was at a place in my life to where I was, I was like this. I really didn't want to hear it, and it was because of where I was at. Well, there's some of you probably that have thought that about faith before because you didn't like the guy that was preaching it because you thought he was just in it for himself or because he was, he was in it for money. And, you know, sometimes those things are true. But just because you don't like the, the person that's delivering it doesn't mean what they're saying is wrong. You know, I was thinking about the, I think his name was Haman maybe, but he, he uh, got on his donkey and he was going somewhere where, the, where he wasn't supposed to go. And the donkey, I didn't realize this, but the donkey actually saw the angel of the Lord before Haman did. And, and the donkey was freaking out and Haman was beating the donkey. And <laughs> the Lord ends up using the donkey to speak to Haman to, to set him on the right course to not go to the place he was going to go. Was it Haman? Is that, was that who it was? Balaam. I don't know where Haman came in, but Balaam, there you go. Balaam and the donkey, that's right. But man, if God can use a donkey to speak truth to somebody, can't he use an imperfect person? So the reason I, I say this and I'm prefacing it with this is just because you've heard things about faith before and you didn't like who, who it was coming through and you didn't like some things associated with their life, it doesn't mean that the message that they had was wrong. Some of the most goofy people will say some of the most profound things sometimes. I had just the other day, I had something come back to me of this person that is, it lives in way in another state. Nobody here knows them. Liz knows them. But, and they said something to me four, four or five months ago. And it was, it was so squirrely. Or the, I'm sorry, the person was so squirrely. But the Lord just the other day brought that very thing back up to me that they said and used that thing. God can use anybody. Amen. And so I just, I just feel, felt like I needed to preface this because faith is so important. In fact, it's, to me, it's one of the essential doctrines, if you will, if you want to call it that, one of the essential truths in the, the, the new covenant that we have to get a hold of. As a matter of, fa as a matter of fact, our faith, that's the, that's the starting place of where we first started our relationship with the Lord, is us believing in what he did. I guess you could say it started with what Jesus did, 
But really, as soon as we put faith in his righteousness and his ability and what he did, that's where our relationship started with the Lord. Faith is crazy important, amen? But listen to this. The Bible says in Colossians chapter 2, probably around verse 6, it says, As you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. Well, how did we receive Christ Jesus the Lord? It was by grace through faith. Amen. We didn't deserve him. We didn't deserve salvation. We didn't deserve everything he offered us, but he gave it to us by grace. Can anyone say amen to that? And, it's, and so we understand that he gave it by grace, but we had to put faith in what his grace provided in order for it to manifest in our life. So it says, as you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. What does that mean? It means that the same way we got saved, the same way we received the Lord, the same way we got born again is the exact same way that we walk in this life with him by grace through faith. We don't work to get anything. He gave all of it to us for free as a free gift. But at the same time, we have to learn to operate and walk in faith if we're going to receive it. And I believe that the enemy has worked to keep people out of faith and understanding about faith because it, it strips them of having access to all of what God has. And there's a, there's a large part of the body of Christ that's moved into even some begging and pleading, and, and it's almost like they're going for a service, just hoping something will happen, hoping that the healing minister, you know, touches them, hoping that a word comes forth. And I believe in all of those things. I believe, you know, you were speaking healing over uh, whatever broken hearts or whatever, and, and bodies and stuff. I believe in that. Those are the gifts of the Spirit. Those are words. Man, when things are, are being spoken like that, grab a hold of those things for yourself and receive it. But understand this, that just because a word isn't spoken, just because hands didn't get laid on you, just because you didn't get called out, doesn't mean you can't have what it is that God promised you. Every promise is yes and in him, amen, to the glory of the Father. Every promise belongs to you. Everything is given to you. Nothing is held back. And I propose that the biggest reason why people are not walking in the blessing on the level that they need to is they don't understand faith. People really don't understand it. Most of it, <clears throat> we'll say we're believing, but most of it, if I just be honest with you, it's a hoping and a wishing and a praying. We go to the Lord and we, we want something to happen. We see that it needs to happen, but we're not at a place to where we're fully persuaded yet. The Apostle Paul talks about that he, he got to, I think it's in maybe in Romans chapter four, I think it talks about that he was fully persuaded. There's different levels of faith. I mean, you can have just a basic understanding of something, but we need to come to, to a place to where we are so fully persuaded at what the word says. And what it means to be fully persuaded is that there's not even any room for unbelief. We can't believe something different. That's pretty powerful. You think about all of the things that we could believe God for. A lot of times we'll, we'll, we'll say we believe it and we've got a knowledge of it and we have a general, yes, I believe that by the stripes of Jesus I'm healed. But when you go to pray over the thing in your body, you don't really believe because you've got all of these other things that are speaking and all these other voices and the pains in your body or whatever the situation is. And so you're back and forth between faith and unbelief and you end up getting nothing. Anyone ever been there before? I preach it to the right crowd. Amen. I think we all have. So we need, to under, we need to understand that faith, there's a level in faith that you can get to. 
And it really just all works by love and relationship with Jesus. But people speak things out of their mouth. They'll say that they're in faith. They don't receive it. And then the next time they want to go pray over that thing, they remember back at how they prayed before and it didn't work. And you know what the Bible says? That hope deferred makes the heart sick. So people pray oftentimes and they're not praying in faith. It's a hoping and a wishing and a praying kind of thing. They want it to happen. There's a need for it, but they're not at a place to where they're, they're firmly convinced from the word of God what it actually says concerning their situation. And that's where the highest level of faith comes in, being fully convinced, fully persuaded. I'll give you an example how this works. And I've shared this before, but it's a great example. When I was uh, younger and like most people, I mean, I didn't grow, let me just preface this, especially since dad's here back from school. I didn't grow up in a legalistic home or anything, but people just naturally have a tendency to want to, wanna, perform before the Lord. You know what I'm talking about? I mean, everybody just kind of has the thing until you get a hold of grace or grace gets a hold of you and you realize the performance is over. So I had a, an understanding that I was right before the Lord, but I looked at my actions and my thoughts and things and, and it was, I was having a really hard time making it click. I was having a hard time really coming to a place to where nobody could convince me that I wasn't right before the Lord. Does that make sense? So what I did was I actually took the word of righteousness, that I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. How many of y'all believe that we are the righteousness of God in Christ? If you don't, you need to read your Bible because it's very plain and simple and clear. Amen. If you've been born again, you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You're not working to become right. You've already been made right. So I would drive down the road in specific, and I would drive and I would say, I am righteous. I am righteous. I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. He has made me righteous. And I would speak it. Oh, over and over and over and over and over again. Why? To get God to make me righteous? No, to get me to believe that he had already made me righteous. See, the speaking part isn't about twisting God's arm. We've been taught this. I've heard this before, that faith will move God. Faith doesn't move God. God doesn't need to move. He's already moved by his grace. And when we finally get in faith is when his grace actually corresponds and manifests in our life. But what happens is that most of the time, people will take a truth and they'll say it and they'll go, yes, it's in the word. I, I see it. I, I believe it. But they don't have it so rooted in them that as soon as the storms of life come and speak opposite of that truth, all of a sudden they're uprooted because they're not really grounded in that truth. Amen? And that's, that's a mixture of what I would call a mixture of just faith and unbelief kind of working together. And the net result of what you get is not really what you're after. And it's not that your heart's wrong. It's not necessarily that even your doctrine's wrong, but you prayed and it, and it didn't happen. And you go to pray for it again. And because your heart's been made sick, you don't really even believe that that thing is going to come to pass, even though the word of God has promised it for you. And I, and I propose to you the reason why is because we've not learned how to operate in the highest level of faith. And let me just be honest with you, I'm growing in this too. I don't have it all figured out. I've got times where I pray for things that I go, God, it's in your word. It's right here. And then what happens is that religion has come in and has created goofy doctrines based off of experience. Let me give you some real good, simple Christianity 101. Do not build doctrine from experience. Build it from the word of God. Don't build truth in your heart from experience. Build it from the word of God. You know, I've experienced loss in my life. I, my mom was, I forget how old she was, 30, 
no, not 30, 62, I don't know, something like that. How old was mom when she passed away? Huh? She's 65, okay, anyways. Uh, that's right. She was very youthful in her whatever. So anyways, but we, we lost our mom, and it was, it was a great loss. But can I tell you that that didn't shape or form my philosophy or my doctrine or, or my outlook on the Lord or what his word says? If it did, then my theology, my philosophy, my belief would be based on circumstances and not on the truth of what God's word says. Because I don't care what happens. I mean, I care, but regardless of what happens, the truth is, is that by the stripes of Jesus, we were healed and we are healed. That's what it says. So I go back and I go, God, I don't know all of the dynamics in there. I do know one dynamic is that my mom's greatest strength was also her greatest weakness. You, you couldn't, I only ever saw my mom mad one time in my entire life. And that was when my younger brother did something really stupid and she really laid into him. It was only for about three minutes and then it was over. It's the only time I could ever recall my mom being mad. And if you don't learn how to get mad at the thing that's destroying you, you're going to have a hard time overcoming it. You're going to have a hard time because there's a righteous type of anger. The Bible says, be angry and do not sin. Don't let the sun go down on your wrath, nor give place to the devil. We need to be very mad. We need to hate the very thing that's coming against us. And so no condemnation for my mom. And I look where she's at now and I think I'm a little jealous, to be honest with you. But my mom was just, she was a very passive person. And I remember, I remember like the cornerstone conversation that I had with her. And I remember uh, telling her that, mom, if you don't get angry at this thing, it's going to have you. And she agreed, but she never got angry. She never got, it just was like not in her disposition. So if you're one of those kind of people, you need to learn how to get mad and get angry sometimes. Amen. But I, I want to say this too. And I was, I was thinking about this about just, just going back, just before I press on here anymore, going back to the, the idea and the, and the thought about, about people just taking certain things and, and, and just laying it down. And, you know, this is, it's like people, the body of Christ, they just, they run from one thing to the next. It's like whatever fire looks the hottest, they, they run to that. And I get that. I understand that. But again, we have to lay hold of the truths and really get a hold of them. And when we were out in, in uh, uh, California, we took her out to Bethel Church. Uh, and I love Bethel. I love uh, Bill Johnson. We, we got to the hotel we were staying at. And myself and Liz and Katie took mom out there. And we just decided, man, we're going out and we're going for it. And we just felt impressed to go there. And, and uh, anyways, I don't want to get into all the details, but we, when we got there, we were, and we were going to, to just to see manifestation, to see her healed. And we, I go down into the lobby, we get in the hotel rooms and I go down into the lobby and I'm talking with these people there and they're like, Hey, we're here for a conference. And I'm like, awesome. And I, we're telling them why we're there. They're like, we want to pray for your mom. I'm like, all right. So we, I'm like, man, we're just going to take everything we can get. No problem. And so we go up, get mom, come down and pray. And then afterwards I'm talking to one of the guys and I had enough sense then to know that this wasn't, this wasn't right. He said, he said, I love this conference. And he said, I love this ministry. He said, this is, this is where it's at. Listen, let me tell you something. Jesus is where it's at. There's never one person that's got it all figured out. I don't care how awesome they are. I'm saying that about myself too. I don't have it all figured out. Praise God. But he told me, he said, I was involved with Kenneth Copeland's ministry 
And even saying that name, some of you go, oh, listen to me. That man knows more about faith than everybody in this room combined. He has been given as a gift to the body of Christ to teach the body about faith. Well, I don't like his airplanes. Well, then don't give in to his airplanes. Then listen to what he has to say. This man sitting there, he says, he says, I was involved in Kenneth Copeland's ministry for 14 years or whatever it was. And he said, he said, that's not it. This is where it's at. And I thought, oh, looking back, I looked at that and I thought, that's just what the Lord doesn't want us to do. Don't throw out the baby with the bathwater. Even Kenneth Hagin himself said, eat the hay and spit out the sticks. Sometimes you're going to have people, you're going to have words, you're going to have things that go in with the truth that you just have to learn how to digest it properly and what doesn't belong to you, just spit it out. It's no problem. But people have been robbed of the truth that they need in their life because they're looking at outward things. They're looking at imperfections. They're looking at issues that people have and they totally miss out on things that that they have. You know, Bill Johnson, the revelation that he has about, I don't know if I could really pinpoint it, but the the presence of God and hosting the presence and stewarding revival and and all the things that, that he does, that's his revelation and the body of Christ needs it. But you know that Kenneth Copeland, if you want to learn about faith, you're better to go listen to him in specific about faith than Bill. You know why? Because that's what God's called him to. God's given him that message. Can we see some maturity in this, please, in the name of Jesus? Can, we, can at least this church grow past some of the nonsense of going, well, I don't believe that, and he said this particular thing. I had someone get on my case one time because of something that, that I mean, if you listen to Brother Andrew's ministry, and he's where I cut my teeth on, he's just an amazing teacher, amazing minister, but there was one little area. I had this lady come to me, and she said, I'll tell you why I don't listen to Andrew, and I said, why? And it was because of some some offshoot thing that I thought, yeah, I don't know if I really agree with Andrew on that either, but big deal. You've got a whole list of things that you can gain. Why would you throw out all the things you could gain because of one thing you don't agree with? You know what that sounds like to me? That sounds like the devil stealing the word that God wants to give to the body of Christ. Don't let him steal the word from you. It's time for us to grow up, be mature, and walk in the things that he's given to the body. Amen? Praise God. You know what it says in Ephesians chapter 4 that he's given some to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, uh, for the edifying of the body, till we come to the, to the unity of the faith. And then it goes on to talk about how that we, f- we function together. I truly believe, I truly believe that the end time church has to come to a place of maturity that where we learn how to draw from those different ministers. And I'll say this, the camp that I came out of was at arm's length with prophecy, <laughs> with prophecy and with intercession and things like that. And so I stayed at arm's length for a while until I realized, wait a second, there's a whole nother scope in the, in the body and revelation given to people that we need to receive what it is that they have and not throw all of it out. Are there certain things I don't like about it? Yeah, there's certain things I don't like about every. There's certain things I've had in the past that I didn't like about this church, and I'm the one pastoring it. I mean, you're just never going to find anything that you agree with 100%. That's not the issue. The issue is, is that we're part of a family. We learn, we grow, we glean, we continue on. We take what's being laid out. And if we don't understand something, we set it on, on the shelf. Or if we just know something's wrong, still set it on the shelf because you may not be mature enough to handle the thing that you think is so wrong, but it's actually right and God's going to bring it back to you 5 and 10 and 15 years later. Sometimes we just don't understand things right. 
I mean, I've been at places. Now, there's certain things. You know, you know, Buddha is not Lord. Jesus is Lord. Amen. I mean, there are certain things that we know that we know that we know. But I've had things that it was like, I don't agree with that. And then like 10 years later, and God had been trying to get through to me for nine years. And like 10 years later, I'm like, you know, actually, that, that actually probably does have an element of truth. If we would just quit being so childish and just learn how to just simply receive with an open heart, praise God. Look, if you've got the word of God in front of you, you're not going to be suckered into a bunch of weird stuff. Read your Bible. You know the people that get suckered into weird stuff? They don't read their Bible. And they get off doing something goofy with some person and acting occultish or whatever. They just don't know what the truth of the word says. I am very teachable, but I'm not easily persuaded. That's a, there's a right balance there. Be very teachable, but not easily persuaded. You could come up, and if we were in conversation, I would listen to, I even listened to a guy, and I, now I wouldn't. I've got a little more, little more fire in me. I'd say, brother, five minutes of your junk is all I need. But I listened to a guy for an hour and a half trying to convince me. Hey, listen, before I tell you what he's trying to convince me of, he call, and I love this guy. He calls me. I just don't like him quite as much. He called me, and he said, hey, I want to take you out to lunch. And I thought, well, praise God, free lunch. I like free lunch. I said, yeah, we're at. He said, I'm coming to Perryville. I said, awesome. He said, you could bring your wife too. And at, at that, I thought, hmm, this isn't a buddy-buddy thing. I feel like he's wanting to sell me something. But he's a preacher, so I'm going to listen to him. It ended up just being him and I. And for an hour and a half, he tried to convince me that the earth was flat. And, and if you believe the earth is flat, I, that's your business. I don't care. Guess what? Jesus came to a round earth or to a flat earth, but he came for the people. I don't really care what the shape of the earth is. I really don't care. And so at the end of it, I said, brother, what does this have to do with me believing in the finished work of the cross? He says, oh, it has a lot to do with it. I said, explain that to me, please. He said, well, this has really strengthened my faith in the Lord. And I thought, wait a second. You're deriving your faith from something different, which isn't even really science. It was nonsense, non-science. Oh, yeah. That's good. You're deriving your faith from something that you can see? That's not real true Bible faith. It was just goofy all around, just really. And the, the, here he is, pastor in a church. And, and listen, if you believe that, there's a lot of flat earthers. I mean, there's a lot of them. And you get on Facebook, and if you have any kind, like I put something, like my friend uh, Troy, Braven Boar, the evangelist Troy, I put some, something on there, like some kind of joke about or whatever on Facebook, and, and I tagged him. And so some other people seen it, and man, I had a rant of flat earthers on my post going, going off. It was, it was really quite hilarious. So I'm not against flat earthers. If you believe that, that's your business. But what the heck does that have to do with the fact that Jesus came and died and paid the price for us? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. And if you're not careful, the enemy will take something Ah, that's not even the enemy. I, that's just, to me, it's just crazy. But I, I'm not trying to come against any, if there's any flat earthers or anybody that hears this message later on or whatever, Jesus help me. But it's, no, I, there's a point to this, okay? But the, the enemy can take something 
like that and can have you so far, and this guy's pastor at a church, so far off track to where you're not, you're not, even, you're not even close to where the Lord wants you to be because you're focused on something that, that is not even secondary. It's like 100th dairy or something. I don't know. I mean, it's way, it's way on down the list. So praise God. I don't know what that had to do with my message. So I'm getting back on track here. Y'all have a few more minutes in you. Praise God. Hallelujah. Bless Jesus. Let's go. Here we are. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 1. It says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. We could spend hours on this verse. We've heard it so much, but I want to say a couple things at least here. It says, Now faith, and we've heard this before, and I used to not agree with it, but I agree with it now. It says now faith for a reason because faith is a now thing. Too many times, listen to me, too many times we're praying and we're saying we're in faith, but in our heart we're saying it's going to happen down the road. Understand this. There's wisdom. We have to rightly divide the word of truth. There's wisdom in understanding things that you have authority over now and things that you don't have authority over now. But, but by and large, the things that Jesus have, has provided for you in the atonement, you have authority over it right now. God doesn't want you to be sick any longer. He doesn't want you to be broke any longer. He doesn't want your relationships to be messed up any longer. You have authority with those things. But if you're always praying and you're looking that it's going to happen sometime in the future, you're not believing that right now God wants to meet your need, that he has met your need, and that faith is going to meet grace and manifest fully what it is that Jesus provided for you at the cross. That's what faith looks like. Faith is a now thing. Can I get an amen? So now faith is the substance of, everybody say of. of, of means from the origin of, of, out of, or the origin of is what the word of means. It says it's the substance, so faith has substance of things hoped for. Know this, that you cannot operate in true Bible faith without true Bible hope. It says that faith is the substance of things hoped for. So you can't have the substance of faith unless you first had hope to draw the substance out of. And in a nutshell, because I'm not going to go into hope a lot here, but in a nutshell, hope is the way that you think, the way you perceive, and the way you meditate in your mind and in your heart about things coming in the future. So if you are in faith, and I'm using quotations, in faith, speaking one thing, but then in your heart, in your mind, you're thinking you're, you're thinking and believing something totally different. You're not in hope, and your words are going to amount to nothing. There has to be something in you to where you actually begin to develop a hope and a, and a thing in you that says, yes, this is, this is possible because I serve a big God, and God's given me this word, and even though I can't, I can't see it, just like Abraham, it says, in a hope, contrary to, to natural hope, he believed. And so, God, I can't actually see it with my physical eyes, but I know through the eyes of my spirit, I know through the eyes of what your word says, through the things you've promised me, God, I know that all things are possible. And you begin to speak to yourself like that, and what happens is that hope rises up, and then you actually have something for faith to draw out of to bring it substance, to actually bring it to pass in your life. Very important. You cannot manifest, manifest anything in the spirit unless you first see it. You have to see it on the inside first. Amen. And we could go through a long list, and I might get into a couple things here in a minute, 
But just look at, look at Abraham and how God even changed his name. You know why God changed his name? Is because it used to be Abram, and he changed it to Abraham, meaning the father of many nations. And names meant more back then than they do now. But Abraham would go around, and whenever he would say, my name is Abraham, he was saying something that wasn't factually true in the natural, but was true in the spirit, and was putting hope in his heart because he was saying, when he was saying, I'm Abraham, he was saying, I am the father of many nations. Praise God. Could you imagine when people would say, what does your name mean? Because that was a big deal back then. Now it's not such a big deal. I believe names are a big deal, but our culture isn't, isn't privy to it. But they would ask him, what does your name mean? And he would say, I'm the father of many nations. And they, would, they could say, you could just imagine how the conversations would go. Oh, you are? Uh, where are your children? Well, I don't actually have any. You know, that's what faith looks like today. If someone was walking around with a, with a, a limp or a whatever eye or something, and someone asked what's wrong, and you say, I am healed by the stripes of Jesus. Someone that doesn't understand how faith works will look and go, you ain't healed? Look at your eyeball. Look at your leg. Are you kidding me? But see, you got to understand is that the reality, the truth from the word has to happen on the inside first before it happens on the outside. People have gotten to a point to where they think that speaking just has some, some like magical formula to it to where automatically it comes to pass. Now understand this, you can't operate in true Bible faith without speaking. You have to speak. And we'll get into some of these basics in a, in, in a little bit. Maybe another day, I don't know, but maybe next week. So you have to speak, but it has to start on the inside first. That's what hope is all about. Can I get a big amen? amen. It says the evidence of things not seen. You want to know what the evidence is of the things in the spirit realm. Oh, this is so important to the rest of the world. You don't want to know what the evidence is? Your faith. Your faith. When you go and you, you minister, you witness to a lost person, one of the worst things that you can do when they say, I have a need, because See, you have to, we, when we're ministering to people, you, unless the Lord tells you, you can't just blow into the room and knock their socks off with, you got to get saved. Da, 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 da. You can't do that. I mean, sometimes you can, but you better hear the Holy Ghost. Most of the time, you have to meet them where their need is at. This is what Jesus did. He fed people, right? He fed the multitudes. He healed people. He did all of those things. He met them where their need was at. One of the worst things you can do, and this is, what, this is how people minister. Minister, I use that term loosely, often is that somebody has a need, and so when they're, when they're trying to share Jesus with that person, uh, what they'll do is they'll ask, they might ask, is there something I can pray for you about? Yes, my, you know, my grandma is, is dying of cancer, and that might be a factual thing in the natural. And so the way that they'll pray, they'll, they'll pray is they'll, they'll say, Lord, if it's your will to heal, heal grandma, <laughs> we just pray that she would do so. Where's the faith in that? There's no faith in a prayer like that. And it says that, that faith is the evidence of things not seen. So if you're going to talk about a good God, a loving God, a healing God, a delivering God, and if you're not talking about all those things with God, you ain't preaching the same gospel. You ain't talking about the same God that I'm talking about and that the Bible talks about because he is all of those things. If you're going to bring evidence 
to, to what's real in the spirit. How many of y'all believe that there's a spiritual realm? Let me see a show of hands that you can't see, taste, hear, smell, and feel, but you know is there. Faith brings evidence to the fact that it's real. And when you're witnessing to a lost person, they need to see something tangible from your faith to know that what you're saying is absolutely the truth. Oh, woo. I'm preaching myself happy. I told you that's good stuff. Listen here in verse 2. Oh, this is how important faith is. Oh, and I haven't even gotten into everything I want to share. It's so good. It's going to go on for weeks. I can tell it. Yes. Listen, it says, for by it. By what? By faith. The subject is faith here. By faith. By it, the elders, meaning the ones who had gone on before because it get, get, it's getting ready to list the elders here, or a bunch of them, obtained a good testimony. Anybody in here ever had a bad testimony before? <laughs> Come on now. You prayed for something that didn't happen? Come on, let me see a show of hands. Just be honest. Who in here has ever received a bad testimony? You know why? You just weren't in faith. Oh, Pastor, just, I couldn't control the situation. The devil actually wants you to believe that you don't have authority over things. See, it's not a matter of getting authority. It's already been given to you. It's just a matter of recognizing what's actually been giving, given to you and then operating in what's been given to you. You have authority over, listen to this, Jesus in Luke chapter 9, he called his disciples together and it says that he gave them power and authority. Power is the ability. Authority is the right to use the ability. He gave them power and he gave them authority over all sickness over all disease and over all demonic spirits. So the next time you're dealing with something in your body and somebody says to you and you, you, you pray and they say, what's going on? Well, I'm, I'm, I'm standing in faith. I'm believing God, whatever your vocabulary is. And they say, well, it's just all in God's time. Can I tell you that that is not accurate? Oh, but I, I'm a man of faith. I mean, if I'm believing, it's going to come to pass, but it's not, so it must be something that God's doing. It's a lie from the enemy. Well, I lost about seven or eight of you right there. <laughs> see, see, we, we've, been, we've been trained. Oh, oh, Jesus, help, help me to, to hit this and for them to get this and believe that I'm, I'm right because I'm right. There, is, there are demonic spirits that actually work to keep us hidden from truth or to keep truth hidden from us. Oh. And one of the most devastating things that I have heard over the years, and there is truth. You hardly ever hear anything in a religious system, and I'm just using that term loosely, that doesn't have an element of truth in it. There's always something mixed in there that makes you go, yeah, I think that's right. But one of the most devastating things I've heard, and this is in terms of healing in specific, is that it's just in God's time. I, I got news for you. There are certain things that are in God's time. You can pray, you can fast, you can spit, you can, I mean, not spit, but spit when you preach. I mean, preach hard, you know, all that stuff. You could do all that, but you are not going to change when Jesus is going to return. There are certain things that are not within your authority. 
And Jesus even said this. The disciples said, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom back to Israel? He said, it's not for you to know the times and the seasons that the Lord, that the Father has placed within his authority, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. In other words, he was saying, I've got some things that are said in my time, and you've got some things that are said in your time. You say, well, I just still believe it's up to God. All right, go to Matthew chapter, don't go there, but I'll just tell you in Matthew chapter uh, 17, there was a lunatic boy, and he was having, uh, that's what the Bible calls a lunatic, and, and he was having seizures, falling into the fire and into the water is the way it describes it. And look, there's no condemnation with this. I'm just telling you what the word says because we want to go up higher. Everybody say, thank you, Jesus. We're going up higher today. So the, the disciples prayed, and Jesus had already given them authority over, over the sickness and disease and demonic spirits, all of that stuff. And they prayed, and then the father of the boy comes to Jesus, and he said, your, your disciples prayed for my son, but they couldn't cure him. And you would think the first thing that Jesus would do is say, oh, let me heal him. No. He turned to his disciples, and he said, you foolish and you, here's the boy still dealing with the problem, but Jesus saw this to be the most important thing. He turned and he said, you foolish, you perverse generation. How long am I going to be with you? Bring the boy to me. And of course, Jesus got him healed. Now, I just want you to think about this. Who in here would kind of consider yourself, maybe, maybe, and maybe you don't want to raise your hand now, but maybe, maybe a disciple of mine in a, in a sense, you're following Jesus, but you're, you're under my... Nobody? Oh, you guys can leave. Okay, so there's a few. You praise the Lord. <laughs> Imagine that she's got some kind of problem, and I have you come up and pray, and we don't see any manifestation. Now, if I, I just haven't worked up enough gumption to be quite like Jesus is in things, <laughs> but I'm working my way there, I suppose. Probably because if Jesus would hear, he could, he could rebuke me. But just imagine if you prayed for something she was dealing with and she didn't see manifestation. This is the reality of the picture. The boy was still dealing with epilepsy. And Jesus, not necessarily concerned about the situation, turns. Imagine me turning and say, you foolish and perverse generation. I mean, my God, you would think that Jesus would have at least said, thank you for trying, guys. I appreciate your faith. <laughs> I, I appreciate what you did, <laughs> but our expectation level is be ye warmed and filled, and we send people away without really giving them what they need. I'm telling you, we're going up to a higher level. And the supernatural, cultivating an atmosphere for the supernatural has a lot to do, a lot to do with us actually being in faith and believing knowing, understanding that we can believe God and see anything come to pass. Making an atmosphere here to where we can believe that anything can happen. I want to do that. I want to be that. I want to live in that place. Praise God. We, our, our call, this is, I, when the Lord told me to minister on faith, I, I was just thinking back about other times when I ministered on faith, and it, and it usually runs two or three, four people off. The only thing I can say is if you want to run, consider things that I've said, and I have a lot more to say. I haven't even really touched the tip of the iceberg. But understand this. 
the Jesus over and over and over and over and over in the gospels said, so be it unto you according to your faith, how you're believing. If you can believe all things are possible. If you can pray and you can believe without doubting in your heart, it will be done for you over and over and over. Jesus did this. I'm a lot nicer than Jesus, I think. I mean, I don't love more than he does, but I might, I might be a little more diplomatic in this situation. If you pray for somebody and you don't see it happen or the situation, I'll probably put my arm around you. You might actually want to come to me before you go to Jesus. I don't, I don't know. Because he might say, you foolish and perverse generation. But I think that Jesus was trying to get across the point that we're the ones that have the authority. We're the ones that are the, the change agents in the situation. And I've spent so many years preaching against wrong doctrine that I'm not even going to go there anymore. People believe that God doesn't even want you to be healed. Man, you need, you need to read the Bible. That's, that's all I can say. You need to read the Bible. You need to read the word. And you need to, if you just get a hold of the love of God or allow, allow the love of God to get a hold of you, you'll never believe that God will want you to be sick, broke, depleted, depressed, destroyed for one more second. You can't, you can't believe that. You cannot believe that he's a good, loving father and then believe that he wants calamity for your life. You want to know where most people's faith is at? It's down in a level to where they don't even know that God even wants good stuff for them anymore. You can't believe for God to help you if you, you believe that he's part of the problem. Man, God is not part of the problem. He is the answer. He is the solution. He's the author and the finisher of our faith. We should believe God for the best all of the time. We have the same faith as believing Abraham, meaning, meaning we can stand in the midst of a situation that's impossible, but with the same faith that Abraham, and actually even greater faith than what Abraham had. You know why? Because it says that we've been given the faith of the Son of God. Some translations say faith in the Son of God. It's not accurate. We actually have been given the faith of the Son of God. Whoa. That means that you have the ability through him, not through you, but through him to walk into any situation. The capacity is in you to believe God and see anything change. I say, pastor, this seems like a big order. I serve a big God. He's a big God. We think too small. We limit God so much by the way that we think. You know, I had, praise God for an amazing wife. I had, I told this before, but I'll, I'll finish with this quick story here. Years ago, when Liz and I were involved in the church, you ever think we're wild here, man, this church we were at, it was really wild. And there was this, there were these two prophets that were there and they were, they were preaching and Liz had never been around anything like that. And they were calling out words and just all kinds of things. And then at one point they were, one of them was the guy or the, the woman? You don't even know. She didn't even know. I don't remember either. I wish I could remember that. But it, there, was a, it, there was a guy there and there was a woman there. And at one point they were praying. And Liz goes up and she gets prayer. And I don't even know if they touched you. I watched the whole thing. They didn't, if they touched you, it wasn't very much. Next thing I know, she's on. <laughs> she's on some of you know what I'm going to do. She's on her back like this and she's going. I know some of y'all are like, I don't want that to happen. I tell you now, she got up and she was a changed woman. Amen. And I had a lady sitting there next to me. 
And what's interesting is, I, I, nah, I shouldn't say that. Okay, I had a lady sitting there next to me. And she looks over, and actually she was a laugher. And so she's sitting there going, <laughs> and I'm like, everybody's always looking in our section. She's, just, she's either laughing or crying, one of the two, because of the joy of the Lord all the time. But she's a lot of fun to be around. And she looks over at me, and he goes, oh, Kent. <laughs> I'm like, what? What is so funny? She goes, the Lord just told me and said that Liz is going to go further than you and the Lord. <laughs> And I remember thinking, <laughs> I grew up in Christianity. I'm, you know what? There was an, at least an element of truth in that. She has been the one that has, has helped me say and see, you need to think bigger. You're not thinking big enough. You're limiting God. You need to stretch out your tent stakes and believe God for more. May we need people in our life that will tell us that. Thank you for listening to the weekly message. To find out more about Overcomers Church International and to hear more messages like this one, please visit our website at ociperryville.com.